Thank you. you. May be seated. All right, go ahead. Give the Lord a hand. Come on. Don't be half clapping, golf clapping here. Amen. It is good to see you guys here this morning. And uh, I know you were tempted to sleep in, and you didn't do that, and you are faithfully here, and we just praise the Lord for that. Uh, We are continuing through Proverbs, the path to wisdom, and uh, we're winding down to the end. How many have enjoyed, just raise your hand, you've enjoyed Proverbs, good, praise God. A lot of people have been listening online, so we praise the Lord for that. And uh, so open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3 this morning. Proverbs chapter 3, as we hit this morning on a touchy subject for a lot of people, and that is money. A lot of people are touchy for two reasons. Number one, touchy on a couple of areas in their life. Their family, don't touch their family. And number two, don't touch their money, right? (laughs) And you know that because if you go to the grocery store and somebody gets shortchanged, 13 cents, somebody comes unglued. How many have ever been somewhere and they were shortchanged and you saw them in front of you come unglued? Anybody like that? No one? How, how many have ever come unglued over that? Right? All right. So real touchy on the money front. So we're going to talk specifically about tithing today. All right? So I want you to know Solomon talks about tithing and talks about money in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. He says this, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. Now, notice it says here, the wisest man in the world at this time said, Honor the Lord with your possessions. Now, notice what he says, with the first fruits of all your increase. So, Basically, if you would get paid, and of course, here we're talking about farming, we're talking about raising animals, you would take them to the temple. But for us, that's of course not the, the, the thing. So the, when you get a paycheck, you would honor the Lord by the first fruits of your increase. Right off the top, you would give your 10%. Now, I know this is touchy, so you're going to have to encourage me and you're going to say, amen, preacher. Amen. All right. So, so you say, sick them. You know, those kinds of things as we, jump, <laughs> as we jump into this this morning. Okay. But I, what I want to do is I want to kind of lay the foundation for you. All right. Before we jump into uh, parts of the message. So Genesis chapter. Well, before we go on, let's look at verse 10. Okay. Talk about the fruit. But let's look at the promise. So your barns will be full with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. So there is a promise to giving of the first fruits. Now, that's, that's vital. Don't think preachers up here saying, you give the first fruits. We're going to go through a lot of verses of Scripture, and the Bible's going to lay the foundation for what we're talking about. All right? But the promise is overflow. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1 through 4 says this. Go with me. Verse 1. The serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, so get the picture, Satan's in the Garden of Eden, and he's, he's with Eve, and they're talking. Now, nothing can come good of this, correct? So he's talking with her, and notice what he says. He says to the woman, has God indeed 
said. The first thing Satan does is he puts doubt on what God said. Okay, now God, a few, a few verses back, God said, okay, Adam, you can have <clears throat> all the trees in the garden, you can eat of the fruit, but there's this one tree, it's mine. Now, we, we interjected mine because they can't have it, and there's only one other person left. Am I correct? And that's God. Okay, you cannot eat of this tree. Why? Because it's mine. All right? So he, and God said, if you do, you will sin and you will die. That's what the consequence is. That's what God told Adam. But notice here, he said, hath God said, okay, you shall, not, or you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said, we may eat the fruit of the tree in the garden, but of the fruit of the tree in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. All right? So, so Satan comes and casts the doubt. And then he not, not only does he say, God didn't really say that you can't eat this tree. He also said, you will not die. So he denied the consequences. He caused doubt on what God has said, and then he flat out denied the consequences of eating. And of course, what happened to him? They ate, they sinned, they died, and they were cast out of the Garden of Eden forever. So there was a major uh, consequences for this. Well, the same thing happens with us in life, Okay. Satan casts doubt on his word to you and me. When we read God's word, he comes to us and he says, does God really say that? Not only does he say that, he, he gets us to question what God says and so we don't have to do it. Then he comes over and says, nah, the consequences, right? He causes us to doubt that the consequences are going to come through. So he does the exact same thing to us on many fronts. And the front we're going to talk about here is tithing. He gets us to doubt on the subject of tithing. So let's just lay the foundation work here for just a moment. Let's go to Exodus chapter 13. It'd be great if you'd write these verses down so that you'll have them and you can study them. Because there is a trend in the last 25 years. Now, listen very carefully. There's a trend in the last 25 years. People are departing from giving. They're departing from tithing. And what has happened in the last 25 years, we've had an average of 4,000 churches, last 20 years, 4,000 churches close their doors every year in the United States. Not just that, in the last year, I heard there were 7,000 churches close their doors. That's devastating, okay? And I contributed a lot to this. They can't afford to stay open. Now, God has really blessed us. Okay, with you guys, and you guys are great givers, so we praise the Lord, but we're going to just preach this because we're going through the book of Proverbs, amen, and we're going to talk about this. Okay, so I'm going to go to Exodus chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. As the foundation, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, consecrate to me, notice what he says, the firstborn, whosoever opens the wound among the children of Israel, both man and beast, and then notice those last words there, it says, it is whose? Mine. It's the Lord's. All right? Let's keep on trucking. Exodus chapter 23, verse 19, it says this. The first, 
of the first fruits of the land. So here it talked about Israel firstborn, then it talked about the, the animals, and now it talks about the land. The fruit, the first fruit of your land, you shall bring it to where? The house of the Lord, uh, the house of the Lord your God. So you bring the first fruits to the house. One more. Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30 says this. And of the top and all the tithe of the land, whether it be the seed of the land or the fruit trees, I mean here, here the Lord says it again. It is the Lord's. It is not just the Lord's, it is holy. The word holy means set apart. It is set apart for or to the Lord. Okay, so he, he stretches everything out. He says, okay, so bring the first fruit of all your increase into the house of the Lord, and, and, and it's, it's his. So honor him with the first fruits. Okay, now let's back up. Let's go to Psalms 24, verses 1 and 2. Okay, it says this, The earth is the Lord's and all the fullness. The world and all who dwell in them is the Lord's. Okay, so I thought he just wanted the tenth. Just a tithe. Now the scripture says it's all his. Everything's his. And then notice the phrase that we read about. Every time we read it, it didn't say give your first fruits. It said bring your first fruits. In other words, it's all the Lord's, but I want you, when you, when you get paid, you bring your first fruits to the Lord. Okay? Because it is his. Okay, now. Let me give you an example of this. Let's just say I go on a road trip. Me and my wife go on vacation, okay? And uh, we fly to somewhere like Indiana, the promised land, all right? We fly to the promised land. Tim, I say, change your oil in my truck, if you will, and then you can use it to carry your wood about, so on and so forth. So he does that all week long. I come home, I fly in the airport, get out, and I get in the truck, and Tim says, hey, Dad, Shelly and I have been praying. And we really feel led that we, we just want to give you this truck. Here it is. We're giving it to you. Now, now, what would you say to that? He's crazy. It's my truck. You're giving me my truck? So you get the idea, the picture here. No, he's returning to me my truck. Okay. So when you look at it's all God's, and he says, bring it to the storehouse and give it your, your, your first fruits, your first offerings, bring it to me, all right? So you get the picture. It's all his, and he's just allowing us to be good stewards of his wonderful gifts, okay? Vital to understand that, all right? Now, let me give you an example of this, because I'm just laying a foundation. You need to really pay attention as we're laying these 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 blocks, okay? In Genesis chapter 4, we have Cain and Abel, the story of Cain and Abel. We all know the story, okay? Cain brought an offering of the, of the fruit of the ground, and God rejected his offering. God, uh, Abel brought his offering, and it was respected, and God accepted his offering. Let's notice the text in what it says in Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 and, three and 4 and 5. Now, now, notice the wording here. I really want you to grab this, okay? 
It's, we've heard it all one way, but let's just look at the wording of the verse. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Okay, now remember, the fruit of the ground is the Lord's, and the herd is the Lord's, and the people, everything's the Lord's. So in the process of time, it came to pass. Notice, it didn't say that, that at the beginning of the harvest, he brought the forth the first fruits and he gave them to God. It doesn't say that. It says in the process of time, when he came about, well, it's time to just give the Lord something. So I'm just going to give him my leftovers. Everybody following? In the process of time. Now, on the, now how, do you, how do you know that? Because it says in the process of time, it came to pass. And then, and it talks about Abel, it says he brought the first born to the Lord. He brought the first fruit to the Lord. Notice what it says. But also, Abel brought uh, also the firstborn of the flock and the fat thereof, and God had respect. But verse, verse 5, but he did not respect Cain and his offering, and Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. Okay, so, so he didn't bring the first fruits, and God rejected the leftovers. All right, now, I'm, I'm really going somewhere this morning. Okay, so notice some people say um, we're no longer under the law. How many have heard that before? We're no longer under the law. And you would be totally correct. We are free, praise God, from the law. All right, I'm not bound. Jesus Christ set us free because he didn't demolish the law. He fulfilled the law. Okay? Some people say, you don't have to give, you don't have to tithe, because we've been set free from the law. And we would all say, yes. So, so let's think about the law. Example, Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not steal. All right? So that was part of the law. So now, because we're no longer under the law, we can run around and take people's things. Right? Thou shalt not commit adultery. Right? We're no longer under the law, so do we not have the freedom to run around with every Tom, Dick, and Harry? No. Here's the, it's God's principles. How about murder? Thou shalt not murder. Okay, so we're not under the law anymore. Is it okay that we run around killing people? Some of you would say, I just wish right? You get the point. The point is God has principles that were established before the law. Was it okay that Cain killed Abel? No. It was God's principle that life is precious. You never take a life, period. And we know where that life begins, but that's a totally other sermon. Can I hear an amen? Okay, so... so saying that we're no longer under the law, we are not bound by God's principles is totally and completely foolish to actually say those kinds of things. And so what I want to do is I'm going to give you, bring up my famous whiteboard and not cover 
the scripture somehow, some way. Can everybody see that? Okay, so everybody can see it back there? Okay, so Cain and Abel was 4,000 years before Christ, okay? Abraham was 2,000 years before. Moses was brought the law right here in 1500 B.C., and then David, of course, is 1,000 B.C. So, so what we have here is 2,500 years before the law, we have Cain and Abel bringing an offering and offered it to the Lord. The law wasn't around. Where did they understand bring the first fruits 2,500 years before the law? Where did they hear this? It is a principle from God all the way through Scripture. Abraham, I didn't tell you the story. Abraham uh, was on his way back to a home. He came along this priest named Melchizedek, which really is a type of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Not just a type. It was Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Had no beginning of days, no end of days. Who can that possibly be? Christ. All right. So he gave an offering, and the Bible says he gave a tenth of the first fruits of his offering to the Lord. Where, where did he understand that? Because it's a principle from God's word. And then we have here, we have the law, and of course we know what the law says, that you give a tenth of everything, and then of course David. So, so my point is, even murder, even murder here that took place with Cain, I mean, that was a principle, and it was, it was wrong and sinful, and he got judged for it and got a, a mark on his life, all right? So the point is, is that those who say that it only it was under the law doesn't even understand Scripture. They, they say tithe isn't even mentioned in the Scripture. Now, this is all foundational work, okay? We've got plenty of time, okay? Just building the foundation. <clears throat> they say tithe's not even mentioned in the New Testament. I don't know. I don't understand people. The word tithe seven times in the New Testament. Well, then they come back and say, well, it's not mentioned very many. Well, the virgin birth is only mentioned twice in the entire Bible. And it's, that's the foundation of what we believe in. Total foundation. All right. Let's go to another scripture before we jump into the, the outline this morning. Joshua chapter 6 and verse 19. Go there with me or just look on the screen. Joshua chapter 6, verse 19 says this. But of the silver and the gold and the vessels and the bronze and the iron, they are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. Now, this is, let me just tell you the story. This is, this is the children of Israel. Everybody following? Say amen. I know you lost an hour of sleep, and this is a rough message to, to lose an hour of sleep. But how many are actually in the room today. Raise your hand. All right. Some of you didn't raise your hand. Okay. I can see you. Okay. So, so the children of Israel come in the promised land and they're going to be divvied out certain parcels of land for each tribe. And they're coming in, they're first coming to the promised land and they have to drive the enemy out. So they come into the promised land, they drive out Jericho, defeat them. And then after the defeat, it says, verse 19, bring all the silver and all the gold that you got from Jericho, 
that they ran away and you, you destroyed them. Take that and bring it to what, the temple of that day. It is all, all of it, the Lord's. Now, follow me. Now, why did they do that? Because when they went into the, the promised land and they de- defeated every, every, every other nation, God didn't command any of their silver, any of their gold to be put in the treasury. Why? Jericho was the first fruits. Are you following me? So he said, give it all to God. Because it's the first nation you're going to destroy. So what happened? As we know, uh, in, in chapter 7 and verse 11 and 12, Achan decided, well, I'm going to take some silver, I'm going to take some gold, I'm going to hide it in a tent. Okay? So the second nation they were going to go after to get the land and drive them out of the promised land was Ai. So it's a small city compared to Jericho. Jericho is huge. Ai is small. So they go up to defeat it, and Jericho defeats them. Defeats them. Why? Because they didn't give the tenth completely, or not just the tenth, all of it, which is the tenth of all of it, to the Lord. Listen, they couldn't stand against the enemy. The enemy killed several of them, and they had to run from their enemies. We have no power, no strength. I mean, there's some, there's some good stuff in this. I know it's deep, but it's fantastic stuff. Am I the only one just wanting to jump for joy? Because this principle is found all through the Word of God. Listen to what it says in Joshua chapter 7. Listen very carefully, verse 11. Israel has sinned because they kept part of the gold. They kept part of the silver. They have also transgressed my covenant, which I have commanded, and they have taken some of the accused things. They have both, what's that word say? Stolen from who? From the Lord. Can everybody hear it? All right. They took what didn't belong to them. And they deceived and they were put. And they, they, they have also put it amongst their own stuff. Therefore, the children of Israel will not be able to stand against their enemies, uh, but turn their backs before their enemies and basically run away because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I, notice this, be with them any more unless they destroy and repent. Great, great stuff, okay? So now let's get into the three reasons to tithe, all right? Three reasons to tithe. Number one, obeying God's principle of tithing provides for God's house, okay? Principle of tithing provides for God's house. So what, what do we do around here that's more important than anything? People get saved. Look around you. The majority of people here trusted Christ right in this place, and they're growing, all right? Tithing, okay? When you give here, you pay pastor's salary. That's a good thing, amen? And you pay uh, uh, other people that are part-time. As we grow, we'll get more staff and pay the utilities and so on and so forth, all right? That's just the bottom line. And we're going to see that right out of Scripture today, all right? So you provide for the house of God. Let's go to Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Again, Old Testament stuff. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10. All right. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be what? Food in my house. I love that. That's 
talking about we're providing spiritual food in this house. Now, let's go to Numbers chapter 18, verse 20 and 21. Numbers chapter 18, verse 20 and 21. Verse 20 says this, And the Lord said to Aaron, You shall have no inheritance in their land, nor shall you have any portion among them, for I am your portion, and I am your inheritance among the children of Israel. I need to book a little bit faster. Behold, I have given the children of Levi all the tithe of Israel for an inheritance in return for the work which they perform in the, tab- in the work of the tabernacle of the medium. All right, so let me just break that down for you. Uh, in the Old Testament, again, Israel went to the promised land, and the 12 tribes were given all a piece of porcelain of land that they would raise their animals or, and, and raise their crops, and then they would take a tenth of it and bring it to the temple. Now, there was one tribe that didn't get a portion of land. That's the tribe of Levi. And so all the other 11 tribes would bring their tithe, the 10%, to the temple, and that would feed and provide for the children of Levi. Everybody see that? So that was established in the Old Testament. There's not even a question. There's not even a hint that, that we don't understand it because that's exactly what took place in the Old Testament. All right? But then we fast forward to the New Testament. And we say that was Old Testament stuff. It is not New Testament stuff. But let me just remind you, we've been through the book of Proverbs and we hit on several wonderful truths that are in the Word of God in the book of Proverbs. Not one time did we say, well, that doesn't account to us because it's Old Testament stuff. Not one time did we even think that. But when it comes to tithe, then the world comes and causes, and Satan and our flesh comes and causes doubt on the principle of giving and on the principle of tithing. All right? So it's vital that we understand. Let's go to Matthew chapter. We're going to fast forward now to Matthew chapter 23. Okay? So here we have Jesus. Ugh! Okay, and what, what is this? Now, it's B.C., you know, or, or uh, A.D., I'll get it right here, after death, but really it's the year of the Lord, and I'll explain it some other time. All right, so, so here we have Jesus here talking in Matthew in the New Testament, and look what he says. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. You pay tenth of your mint, and he begins to describe this, but you have neglected the weightier matters of the law. So he's praising, right here, Jesus is praising the Israelites, the religious people, for tithing, but they left out grace, mercy, and judgment. Those are the weighty. They're more important than tithing, and they left it out. But notice what he said. These you ought to have done without leaving the other out. So Jesus, in the New Testament, says, you ought to give. Can can everybody see that? Or is it just me? No. So in the New Testament, right here, we have... Can I hear an amen? Right here. Okay? There is no question about it. And then they say, well, that's the only reference in the Word of God. I beg to differ. All right, then we come down here to Paul. What did Paul do? How many churches did he start? 
All the epistles. Okay? I'm telling you, we need to be in a church that preaches the Word of God. I mean, preaches this book. Not their thoughts, not their ideas, but actually the book. Because we're going to see why. Hopefully we can get to the end here is because of the blessings. Okay, so Paul wrote the book of Corinth. Okay, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to talk about that. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. This book was written right here. Okay, 56 A.D. Okay, you can calculate the time tithe went from here, it goes down to the New Testament, and you can say here all the way to the New Testament, okay? So that's what we have. So look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 13 and 14. Okay. Do you not know that these who ministered the holy things ate of the things of the temple? Now, if you look at the context, he's talking about the Old Testament temple and the offerings that they brought to the temple. And those who served at the altar were partakers of the offerings of the altar. Again, he's talking about that the, when the, the 11 tribes brought their offering, Levites had partaking of the offering. He's setting up the Old Testament, listen, as an example for the New Testament. Paul is. Now, all the other times that, that in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and all that, it talks about all these other kind of grace giving, get as the Lord leads on your heart, and all this kind of stuff. Now listen, that's talking about love offerings to the children of Israel who were hurting. As the Lord directs you in your heart, those scriptures are specifically in context. That's why we need to preach the whole counsel of God's word. He says, don't take an offering when I... Take an offering now for the church of Jerusalem before I get there so we don't have to worry about it. But give as the Lord directs you. Of course, these, these Christians in Jerusalem were starving to death. And Paul was directing all the churches he started to give an offering to them. But not in this context. This context is talking about the church. Okay? And their tithing. How they take care of it. Now listen. So you understand, he's, Paul's setting up the example he says, okay, this is how they did in the Old Testament. Now look at verse 14. Even so. <laughs> Let's stand on that verse. Let's just sit on that two words just for a moment. Okay? So this is how they did it. Even so. Even so what? Notice. Even so, the Lord has commanded that those who preach of the gospel should live from the gospel. And then he goes on, he says, and I don't really like this verse, it says, um, the ox that treads the corn should eat of the corn. I mean, he's, God's saying I'm an ox. Preachers are ox. Okay, that, that, you know, that, that when we're preaching the word, we should live by the word. When we're preaching the gospel, we should live by the gospel. I mean, that's, that's what, here's my point. He's setting up the Old Testament and the way they did there. And no one has a doubt that this was the tenth, the first fruit. That's the way they did it. There's no disputing. But Paul, they say, well, he never says to the church to give a tithe. He never tells them to give the first fruit. Never. This is where he says it. Even so, the Lord commanded that the New Testament should do likewise.
I mean, because we want to stand on his book. I don't, and I've, I've listened to probably 20 messages on this in the last three weeks. 20 messages. And I'm telling you, there's some fruit cakes out there. I mean, they're twisting, they're turning. By the time they're done talking, I'm totally confused. But man, they got nice words. And so I just have to trust them. I'd rather trust the book than to trust somebody with these flowery, these good words, and all this other stuff that just pulls me in because they just seem like they're geniuses. And they have a big crowd. And I just want to follow them. Okay, even so, the Lord commands. All right, so number one, that's how. Why should we tithe? Because that's how the Lord's house is provided. Okay, we started this church with all the people from Nebraska. You know, they were, they jumped on board and supported us when we began the church. Now we're five years old. We forward, those guys are gone. And now you are the ones that are keeping this church afloat. And you're doing a great, great job. All right, the house is and of course, God's doing He gave us the building free and clear. I mean, that's kind of nice, right? He's good. He's got great plans for us of reaching this area for the Lord. Number two, I got to quit rambling. Obeying God's principle of tithing teaches us to put God first. Deuteronomy chapter 14 and verse 23 says this, and I'm going to use the King James first. Look what it says. And you shall eat before the Lord your God the place where he chooses to put his name to abide, okay? The tithe of your grain and your new wine and your oil of the firstborn of your herds and your flocks, comma. And then he says, that. So a lot of stuff he said there, but then he said, that. In other words, bring it all in, that, that you may learn, tithe, that you may learn to fear the Lord always. So the, re- the second reason we tithe is to, to put God first. Well, that's what that word means. Listen, the word fear means to reverentially trust, to honor God first, to put him first, trust him before anything else in your life. Now I want to look at another verse, Deuteronomy 14, 23, the same exact verse, but in the TLB. Listen to what it says. We'll just read it here together. Bring this tithe to eat, therefore, the Lord your God at the place that he, basically the Old Testament was a temple, the New Testament is the church, that he shall chose to be his sanctuary. This applies to your tithe, your grain, your wine, your oil, and the firstborn of your flock and your herds. Now, then notice this. That's why I like different translations, because it really brings out the thought. The purpose of tithing is to teach us always to put God first in our lives. We're always struggling. God, we want you to be first. We want you to be first. We want you to be first. Be first. And then when it comes to the offering, no. But see, here's the trick. Here's something we sometimes don't understand. In Matthew chapter 6, what is it? Verse 21. Listen to what it says. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, I long for the Lord to be number one in my life. But my heart follows my money. Does everybody see that? Look at that. 
It doesn't say where my heart is. There my money goes also. No. What first goes is money. Then our heart follows. I know it's strange. So you want, to be, you want God to be first in your life? This is where you begin. You start by giving. You start by giving to the Lord, and He begins to work miraculous miracles in our hearts. And then before you know it, we put God first. So if you're here this morning, it's just between us, okay? Just between you and the Lord, I should say. I, I, I know I have a list of, of several people that give really great, and, and we praise God, and I pray for them all the time, but I don't have no clue what they give. Zero. Okay? I don't know what anybody gives. That way I'm not influenced by givers. Amen? Can I hear an amen? amen? I don't want to be influenced by some of you rich cats out there, right? Okay? So I'm just, I just preach freely. But the point is you may be here and you're not tithing, but you want your heart to be first, the Lord to be number one in your world, in your life. This is where it all starts. It teaches us you can learn to put God first by bringing your tithe. Number, number three, obeying God's principle of tithing promises blessings. Okay? Obeying God's principles of tithing promises God's blessings. All right. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. We pretty well, everybody knows that verse. It says, bring all your tithes into the storehouse, that there may be uh, food in my house, and try me now, notice that word now, try me now in this, in what? Bringing the tithe. Says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the, now notice the plural, okay? Just, we just want to go by the word only. It doesn't say God will open up for us a window, I praise God for the plural. Amen. <laughs> There's not just one window in heaven. There's heaven windows in heaven. And he will pour out you such blessings that basically you can't have room enough to receive it. God is saying that when we tithe, it unlocks something in the spiritual realm that allows God to start taking action on our Behalf. It's kind of like the New Testament verse of Scripture. It says, to those who give you know, sparingly, they're going to reap sparingly. But those who give bountifully will reap what? Bountifully. All right? It's kind of the, the same idea. And I, and I would love to. Seriously, I'd love to bring some of you guys up here to give testimony after testimony after testimony about how this has actually happened, where God's opened the windows of heaven and poured out such blessings that you can't hardly receive it. Let me just give you one, okay? We started tithing. It, it, took, me a long, it, took, me, it took me a long time to tithe when I first got saved because that was a car payment. Anybody, anybody feel my pain? I, I, I love cars. And we had, a, we had some nice cars, and, you know, and then I traded my 1972 Nova oh, for a station wagon. Duh. You feel me, right? Because my wife just kept having kids. I don't understand that. Just kept having them. So here we go. We surrender to preach. We go to the ministry. We go through school. And every company I'm at uh, starts with Deacon Metal Spinning. Um, 
you know, before you know it, he wants to sell me the business, and, and God called me to preach there, so he couldn't do that. Go, go to school, go full-time school, full-time job, and I go to the place called uh, G&G Metal Spin to take me to the top. Then after that, I zero over on Dixie Metal Spinning, and then they wanted me to buy that company. So I'm just simply saying, everywhere I went, God prospered us. So then we go to, to Nebraska, the God-forsaken land, I'm right? the other side of the desert. I'm just kidding, sister. I'm just kidding. Okay, the Huskers. Yeah. Okay, so, so we, go to, we go to Nebraska. We started church in our front room. Okay, started church in our front room. We have our front room here and our dining room here, and I set up 30 chairs. And my wife hears me preach for seven weeks, and I'm preaching just like I am now, except I screamed a little bit louder back then. Okay, jumped on the chairs and danced around and did some, some crazy stuff. That was a long time ago. Okay, so nobody's there but my family. And then when the kid cried, <laughs> there was nobody there. So I'm just preaching to myself when my wife goes out because takes the kid because it's bothering a lot of people, right? So six weeks, nothing. Sunday night, a gal by the name of Mary Player comes in, and she sits on the back row right by the door. Well, it's just her and me and Judy. Okay, kids are off playing. So the three of us, and I'm preaching up at the store, and, but she sat by the door because she was afraid we were a cult. Okay. Now, follow that thinking, okay? I'm ready to go home. Six weeks into this, no one's come to church. I hand-painted a sign, put it in my yard, said, hey, we're open for business. As soon as I get there, I couldn't do this the first week. My wife said, it's too early. We got there Saturday. I wanted it to Sunday. She said, no. So I had to wait a week to start the church in our home. So we did. Six weeks go by. No one. That, that lady goes, leaves that Sunday night. Next Sunday night, she brings four other families, four other families, along with her family of six kids. And we couldn't pay rent, couldn't do anything. Our money had pretty well gone down. And so in the offering plate, we didn't pass the offering plate, we just had it by the back door. There was just, our rent was $400. Guess how much was in the offering plate? I wish I could tell you there was, a, there was 500 bucks, 100 for me, and 100 for them, but there wasn't. It was $400 to the penny. Within weeks, we were running already 80 people in that home. I mean, I'm not trying to tell you to just pull you in and say this is going to happen to you. I'm just simply saying, when you put God first, seek ye First, him and his kingdom, and he'll take care of all the rest. It is a promise from God's word. And I've tested over and over. This, every other church we started, it's happened the same way. We find ourselves at our second church, the whole family sitting around a table, and some of the kids would to remember this. We were so poor, we were counting weights. Put them in fishing little tackle bags and taking them back to the company. And that's what my kids ate off of. But when God tells you to go somewhere and you sell everything and you go, God goes with you and then he blesses. So here we are, seven churches in Nebraska, preaching the word of God, and now we're on our eighth right here. I'm just simply saying, God honors his tithing principles. He does, he honors it. And again, I wish I, last year we had three people up here and they gave testimonies. And uh, this year, I'm just going to, that's it. No more. So he opens up the heavens supernaturally, a win not just one window, several windows, and when you give to the local church, 
It allows God to supercharge his blessings in your life. And the second thing, and I really love this, is that he rebukes the devourer in verse 11. Let's put verse 11 up there. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, so that he will not destroy the fruits of your ground, nor shall the vine of your... In other words, the devourer comes after you because the devil is to steal, kill, and destroy. He's coming after you to do that. And God says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake when you give yourself to the Lord. So I want to stop right there. And I don't know where you're at, okay, financially. This is just between you and God this morning. I, I, I've started with the foundation, and I've shown you that you go all the way through the Bible, tithing's there. You go back church history, it's there in church history. And then we fast forward to right where we are today. Remember what he said in verse 10? He said, try me now, says the Lord. Try me now. That just means test. Test. I like preaching on this because this is where God steps in and really blesses you and encourages you that he's with you and he's on your side and he's going to bless you. Try me now, says the Lord. So what we're going to do, I talked to the elders of the church. What we're going to do is we're going to give you an opportunity this morning. There's envelopes in the front of the pew. If you've, if you've not tithed before, okay, don't grab the envelope yet, okay? If you've not done it before or you've done, you stopped, you're just not consistent, whatever it is, grab that tithe envelope, put your name on it, and we're going to throw out a 90-day challenge to you that you can claim this verse, that God will open up the windows of heaven and start pouring you blessings that you're saying, thank you, Lord, I want these blessings, all right? We're going to give you a 90-day. You write on that tithe envelope, you put your name and you say, I'm taking the 90-day challenge. And don't put the money in it, just drop in the offering plate. It's going to start next week. It'll give you time if, you, if you're here sitting with your husband or your wife or you want, your wife's not here, whatever, you want to go home and talk to them about it. Next week it starts. So next week, if, if, if you, you don't want to do it without your spouse, then next week you put that offering envelope in there that says, I'm the nine, just put 90-day challenge and put your name, and we'll know what it means. Here's the challenge. If God doesn't bless you in those 90 days, we will give you back your money. <laughs> we will give you back your money. Okay? Not me. That's Jason's baby. He'll do it. Even if it has to come out of his own pocket, he'll do it. No, I'm kidding. All right. No, Jason will give, he'll add 5% to your 90-day challenge. No, I'm just kidding. All right. But get the point. All right? Seriously. 90-day challenge. This is great. You can't lose. But what you can do is experience the windows. I don't know about you. I love experiencing the windows. It encourages my heart that God is with me and that he prospers me everywhere I go. So let's have the lights down.
Okay? Have the lights down. No one looking around. We're going to give you that opportunity. If you want to grab that envelope, grab that envelope, put 90-day challenge on it, put your name on it, and drop it in the offering plate. Father, we come to you this morning. We just praise you and thank you for the word of God. Father, it's so crystal clear, so powerful. When we get into it and we dig into it, it's just plain. It's right there. We don't have to worry about what somebody else says or, or what our fathers did or our past. We just stand squarely on your word. So, Father, we pray that as you have already spoke to our hearts, that you'd give us the strength and the boldness and the courage to step out and start tithing and take this 90-day challenge. And, Father, we'll give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name. Let's stand to our feet. As we're standing, they're going to sing this song. And after the song, the offering plates come by, then you drop your 90-day challenge. Amen.